you shit for having a beer. All right, this thing's live. All right. Let's see here. So I guess that means that since it's live, uh, it'll start letting people in here. Um, so if you're on here, uh, thank you very much for joining. It looks like people are still coming in, Dave. So we'll kind of just let it flow in. I think there's a pretty good number of folks that are going to be joining us today. So you are, uh, I know, cause I've stayed with you. You're on your, your back porch right now. Um, yes, sir. Looks like you're in your backyard. I am, man. I am. I got got the uh, kids are home. We have like this thing where they're doing school one day, no school the next day. They're alternating, so they're doing school from home today. Um, so I'm uh, I'm working outside. Nice. And I know you flaked and didn't get one, but. Uh, not only do I have, check out my shirt, old school. Representing, man. Representing. I um, like it. Also, I got the GABF award-winning beer, Howdy Pilsner. Dave sent this. Uh, this was like the, la was it the last canning batch. Is that what you told me? Yeah. Yeah, we stopped canning beer. It's a tough, tough road, especially competitive in Colorado. So um, we're going to focus on making our beers and draft and, serving them at our restaurants and step out of the can <clears throat> can beer business for a while. We had up to five beers in the can. We were selling at liquor stores and grocery stores, but just so competitive and uh, coming out of this crazy time we're all in, we're really focusing on uh, the things that are most important and um, competing in the, in the fierce uh, world of, of door space at liquor stores and grocery stores is not our, not our jam right now. All right. Well, but I like it that you are drinking before noon. Uh, no. Will that twelve oh four? My time. I got my Boston Hall. That's the customer. That's Marijuana, who I told you. You guys got to come meet Marijuana. We'll get this yeah. thing going. I think everybody's in here now. Hey, do me a favor, Dave. Angle your phone a little bit more so that um we see a little more of you. Yeah, there we go. All right. So I'm gonna crack this thing open, folks. Thank you that uh, have joined. Uh, Dave, cheers. Cheers, brother. Um, okay, so this is our first Zoom episode, and as you know, anytime we're we're trying something new, we we call you first. Um, you were the first to be interviewed for the book, the first person we filmed, first person on the podcast, I think, and here we are at this Zoom series. And uh, in all seriousness, man, I, all of us here at Schedule Fun, I know everybody watching, and we'll also put this on YouTube. We we appreciate you doing this a lot. Yeah, man, it's been a uh, Crazy few months. Um, the, the last time you and I laid eyes on each other was actually at your house when I was out in Colorado in, well, I guess it was late February, and we went yeah. together, wow. and, and you and Dana hosted me there for a few days, and it was awesome. And uh, we were just, like, sort of Talk, just starting. Talking about it. Just whispering. Whisper, yeah, we were talking about it. By the way, folks, um, I, I put this in the bio uh, on the intro, but uh, for this – for this webinar, but, um, Dave is, man, he's, he's been in this business for close to 40 years. He's got 14 locations across six concepts, almost all those in Colorado, one in Kansas city. And, um, he is, he's a guy that I, I just have a ton of respect for, uh, professionally and personally. And every time I talk to Dave, I learn, I learn a lot. So, um, I just, I forgot to mention that. That's, that's an important part of kicking this off. But so Dave was very kind when I went out to Colorado skiing in February. Um, I was asking about, you know, some places to stay around Boulder and he literally forced, he, he, he would not let me stay anywhere. He said I had to stay at his house. So uh, that's the kind of hospitality that he just genuinely um, offers all the time. And uh, forced makes it sound a little weird. Well, I don't know that I forced you. I, I offered you offered yeah you you were you were you were darn determined i was going to be staying here and i and i really appreciated it and i loved it and i had a great time out there um but you know we were just kind of as you said whispering about this stuff it was like is this going to be a big deal or what's going to happen holy crap i think i got home and like within two weeks the world blew up um and uh you did you you did you quarantine did you have 
this or did you think you had it for a while? Oh, I had it. Uh, I tested positive on March 16th. Um, didn't get the results for 13 days and found out on the 29th that I was in fact positive. And by that time I felt fine. I drank a howdy beer when I got the announcement in celebration. But um, yeah, both Dana and I had it and uh, I had it maybe a little worse um, and for a little longer. And then I'm sure I gave it to her and she had it for about five, six days. Uh, no hospitalization. Just a big cough, couldn't kind of finish a sentence, 103 degree fever, yes. kind of bedridden, but wrote it out and then um, and then was glad to have it behind me. Took the antibody test, that was positive. Took another series of um, nose swabs on both sides and then a blood test. And then um, since I was kind of early in on it, donated a plasma for ICU patients, which is a crazy thing. If anybody's ever donated plasma, they take the blood out of your body six or seven different times takes about an hour and a half and then you walk out with about 98 percent of the liquid you walked in with so i was all expecting to you know need a ride i said to the nurse like am i okay to drive she's like do you feel okay to drive i said yeah she gave me a cookie and said get the hell out of here so it was it was a good good step to try and do something donating that plasma and and then uh hopefully those immunities stay in place for uh for a period of time till we can get on the other side. Um, did you, so that was the 16th. When did y'all have to close? This is like the same time. We, you closed, were on, we closed on the 16th, oh, Monday, the 16th. So on the 15th, I had our CFO, uh, Tiffany and our COO, Audrey, and one of my business partners, Steve, sitting around the table. Steve's in his mid seventies. He was sneezing and snotting and coughing. And I said to the ladies, I said, we got to get tested, man. I think he, I think he's blowing hot right now. And uh, sure enough, I was, I was patient. I was the one that was contagious, but none of those three got it. I made them dinner. I hugged them. Hello, kissed them goodbye, poured their wine. Um, I was all in their world and none of those three got it. So that was good. Mm, um, so you had to shut all 14. Of your location. So we, we kept five of the 14 open. We tried to keep them all open. Jack's Fish House, we have six of those. Uh, higher check average. Um, harder to, to do that quick maneuver and shift over to all to go. Four of the restaurants are the post, fried chicken and beer. Easy, easy trick. And uh, our COO had just started with us in uh, Jan early January. And, you know, 58 days later, she's closing all the restaurants. Um, she just jumped in and started throwing elbows politely and just took over and made it happen. Uh, really got us in a good spot. All the teams, the directors, our CFO, Tiffany, just dialed us in. And uh, really, once the PPP became a reality, she she really uh, was all over that and leading us to, uh, to figuring all of that out. But um, we closed. Um, 11 of the or uh, nine of the 14 and kept the four post locations and the West End Tavern open and the West End's barbecue and bourbon and beer and so we just went for it and all of the um, salaried managers most of the salaried managers chefs sous chefs AGMs GMs shifted over to the post no matter where you worked Zolo Central Lola or Jack's everybody was focused on the post and the West End Tavern so we were able to keep about 85 people working and, and being paid. And we, un, we've, un, we furloughed about 670 people on March 6th, March 18th, I believe was the day. Well, I mean, obviously you never in a million years would have thought you had to do that. What? Uh, yeah. And I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of wrecked with COVID. We were on this conference call. And you're just listening to these words come out of your mouth like the dining rooms are shut. We have to furlough you. Uh, we'll do our best to help you with unemployment is like, who is this talking and what in the hell is coming out of his mouth? It was just, it was, it was surreal. Um, you have everything open now, all 14. We just got Jack's Kansas city reopened, uh, two weeks ago today. And, um, so all 14 are back open okay. and we've got about 
79% of our staff back on back in the house. Congrats. 79% of our staff numbers. We lost, you know, a lot of people just during this time are like, Hey, I'm going to take this moment to pivot out of the industry or go help my uncle or my grandpa or, you know, time for a career change or, you know, we lost, we lost some really great people um, for all the right reasons, but we, we have filled back in. Um, well, okay. So we're, you know, when I asked you about doing this, I, you know, we we're, well, we'll just kind of just kind of take go this, wherever this takes us, but I do want to get into um, your physical health, mental health, how you manage that. I mean, it's already hard enough as an owner, um, how you've been doing that through this. And then we'll, we'll talk about your team too. But I mean, you started out this thing in COVID, which I mean, having it, um, that is an unbelievable amount to bear physically and then mentally, emotionally. Um, how, how are you doing now, man? Good. I think everybody, you know, is dealing with this in their own way. And uh, I don't think anybody has the has the secret sauce on how to get through it. But um, it was good. It was it was a little dizzying at first. I think a little bit of, of having had it took a little of the edge of getting it off. So early April, you know, jumping back into work, I was a little less apprehensive about staying scrubbed up and and uh, and and masked up when I was kind of on my own. I certainly stayed masked up and gloved up for the sake of others because you don't have to have it to transfer it. Yeah. Um, or at least, you know, as, as, as we all knew then, uh, everybody was like, you, everybody's contagious and everybody's a carrier. So, um, but it helped to have it for sure. Took a little of that edge off that I, I wasn't worried about getting it. Um, but it's been good, you know, um, just trying to, to, it took a minute. You know, it was a lot of work, and then everybody kind of finally got their time off and their day off, and you you got out. I, Dana and I, took off the weekend of July Fourth and went fishing, and and uh, I was just standing in a river, and you just you just kind of lose it. You know, you just uncontrollable uh, emotions, just like what the fuck just happened. You know, it's just like holy man, I can't, I can't, I can't understand. You know how we got to where we are, and. Um, it's just unbelievable, you know, working the restaurants, um, you know, tonight we'll, we'll all be somewhere working and everybody's got a mask on and you're on the line and you're masked up and gloved up and it's hot. And, uh, it's just really, it's, it's still, I, I say to Dana 10 times a week, what in the hell's going on? <laughs> Why are all these people wearing masks? It's just, it's incredible, but it's been fun to watch a lot of people, um, who you didn't really know how they would react to this really, really take off and, and hit the ground uh, running and, and just really finding their pace. And um, it's, it's inspiring to watch all the good that's happening right now for sure. Well, uh, look, y'all as a collectively, as a group, restaurant people, independent restaurant owners already pre-COVID, you're, every day you're, you're putting out fires, you're, you've got all these things that come up and you have to deal with things not going as planned and making last minute adjustments and tweaks. But this is uh, that to a new level. Um, now, you, when I came out there and stayed with you, we went skiing, you blew me off the slopes, you got your home gym there, you're working out all the time, you're, you're, a, you're a very fit dude. Um, as I said, Drew, Drew Hannes from Sweet Cow was telling me he's inspired by you and, and that you're the, you know, about as fit as uh, he's ever seen you. Um, that I believe that's a really important part of, um, you know, the physical health gives us longevity and it helps with our mental health. Tell me about that, man. Like, is that something you've been doing for a long time or is it something you Yeah. I mean, Colorado certainly lends itself to that. So spend a lot of time on the bike and, hiking and Dana was out the door at 6 30 this morning cruising up Sanitas which is this trail up by our house so yeah we're out in it a lot this is a stressful lifestyle I got a punching bag in the garage that kind of cringes when it sees me coming just like let it out and and uh just take it all out on that it's a lot of stress you know and uh some of us talk out the stress some of us 
drink out the stress. Some of us hit something out of the stress or ride a bike or fish or hike or read. You know, everybody's got their own different ways of, of getting that release. But for me, it's kind of, it's gotta be an output of just kind of exhausting yourself out of being freaked out. <laughs> if that makes sense. No, it makes ton of sense. What about the, uh, what about just the self-care mental health part of this day? Like, have you done, have you changed anything? Have you done anything different? I know you said like you were out there fishing and you kind of broke down and you look at Dan every now and then just say, what the hell is going on here? What, what else are you doing to, to try to get to the other side of this? Well, I think for all of us, you know, I, everybody's tired of hearing me say this around here, but there's that scene in Saving Private Ryan where, Tom Hanks looks at Matt Damon and says, earn this, you know, for anybody in six months or a year that says, you know, God, I'm right back where I was before. Like, well, that's where you want to be. You know, like this is a great opportunity for all kinds of change. Um, it is a moment, a platform, a, a launch pad to, to change anything, you know, bad relationships or bad business dealings or businesses that aren't working or systems that aren't working. So just, looking towards the silver lining, the opportunity, the chances to redesign and reboot and 2.0 things. Um, it's exciting. You know, we're not always going to be in this position. This is where we all say, here we are, here we are right now. But in a year, we're going to say that's where we were, not where we are, or hopefully in a year, but this will not last forever. And there's, there's really uh, a lot of people that I'm talking to are making really smart changes personally. Um, business-wise, relationship-wise. Um, it's been nice for Dana and I. We work together. We both work side by side. We were facing, you know, what felt like it was going to be complete financial ruin, talking to bankruptcy folks and kind of just exploring that route because that first week of March, it all felt like, wow, this is, this is really going to spin out. Yeah. And so, you know, great opportunity to um, come together unfortunate opportunity to uh, move apart. I know some family lawyers who are quite busy right now. Um, and so it can go one way or the other. We chose, you know, the, the coming together route. And so from a relationship standpoint of working together and being together every day, talking about stressful stuff, it's been great. We're laughing more, we're hanging out more, we're having more fun, uh, we're doing more stuff. And it's, it's a conscious effort business-wise um, it's challenging. You know, I send out a newsletter to the staff through schedule fly. Um, if anybody hasn't ever used schedule fly, it's a great way to communicate with all your employees. Um, so I send out this letter of every seven or 10 days. And for a while there, it was just, it was just a repetitious, um, you know, just saying the same shit every week. And then I finally just snapped out of that and just started talking a little bit more about what we can do and what we are going to do and what we um, have the ability to all do and, you know, downloading Babel or grabbing a, an instrument or just really taking time to explore things that aren't business related and learning a language or learning an instrument or, or um, just busting out and getting out of our, getting out of our rut and really shaking it up. If you can't do it now with all that we've been through, you may not have that sort of opportunity or you may not want it. You're just kind of doing what you're doing. But for me and for us, it's been a great opportunity to really shake it up and, and uh, just, just change the filter. What's happening at your restaurants, man? I mean, you're, you're, you know, a huge part of what you do is, I mean, you have great food without question at all of them. Um, you have great hospitality. I mean, people love to come to your restaurants and hang out in there. I mean, when I went to uh, – y'all left to go out of town that last night, and I went down there to Jack's, had some awesome dinner. Man, that place was, like, packed, and people were packed in, and they were laughing and smiling and having fun, and they're happy. And, I mean, we see that at your restaurant, independent restaurants, all over the place. It's what people love about it. So now you're at, probably what, 50% capacity? It, it, is that – We're at 50%. Um in some of the locations, the city of Boulder um, closed off the streets. So we've got patio seating in some okay. cases. We might have two or more seats than we normally do because of the expansive patio opportunity we were afforded. 
Um, so that part is good. The Jack's Fish House uh, locations all have a center bar, oyster bar, big, uh, fun social environment. Some of them have up to 42 bar stools around this center bar, and we can't serve at the bars now. Uh, can't have bar seating. So that's definitely affected the vibe, the mojo, the feeling. Um, so that's challenging for sure. Greeting somebody with a mask on, you know, saying no five times before you say yes. Uh, these aren't the, these aren't the characteristics of hospitality. This yeah. is a, it's a much different state running into that guest who has no intention of wearing a mask. And while we uh, support that, um, we might not agree with it, but we support that ability to make that decision on your own. Our house, our rules, we're not letting people in without a mask. And then you got to fight at the door with somebody who's trying to be a, a guest, you know, and it's just, it's awkward. It's really challenging to do what we do uh, with gloves and masks on and telling people to stand apart and don't get too close and, you know, putting tables as far apart as we can. It's just, it goes against everything we do. We love getting people in a room and playing the right music and getting the candles burning and, and just doing what we do. And, and it has really, um, we can't do that right now. So we're doing it in a different way. Yeah. You know, it's, I'm still struggling to get used to it. Um, it's, it just, like you said, I, I often just sit there and go, what, this is just weird. It still is. I, but you're, um, you talked about, you know, man, just like having a forward looking attitude, figuring out what opportunities you can create from this. What's going to change with your restaurants going forward? Well, we've definitely gotten leaner. We've, um, we've made some changes uh, from the top side to allow for some advancement for some folks who, who really are ready for it and all of us taking on more responsibility and, and uh, just getting a lot leaner. And um, we've, uh, as I think most people have, have reduced the size of our menus and so that has allowed us to really focus on um, everything is outstanding without exception instead of, um, you know, looking at a P-mix report or, or looking at a dish that might not be um, exactly what the guest wants. We found ourselves cooking for our chef's egos and our cooking ability and pushing the culinary envelope a little bit on the lines of, I've been cooking the same thing for 20 years. You know, you get a signature dish and it's hard to get excited about cooking that dish. You know, it's like if Tom Petty was singing his big hit, you know, for the 10,000th time, how much energy or excitement did he put into that? Well, tons, because that's who he was and that's who we have to be. And so it's allowed us to, to really start to look at what are we doing? Are we cooking for the guest or are we cooking for ourselves? Are we running these restaurants for the guest solely? Or is it our ego that's involved? And so we've really divided those two things of what are we doing for ourselves and where are we missing delivering to the guest what the guest really wants. And sometimes what the guest really wants is so much simpler than what we're giving them. You know, they just, they're not out to be blown away and to learn five new terms and to try 17 new ingredients done in 14 different styles. They just want a great meal and they don't want to have to think about it. And so it's allowed us to really step back and just ask, what are we doing and why are we doing it and who are we doing it for? And uh, we've gotten some um, really, really great uh, response from guests. Some of our restaurants that were our workhorses in downtown, um, uh, downtown Denver, for example, Jack's Fish House in Lodo, right by the train station, surrounded by legal offices and business offices insurance companies a lot of tech a lot of startups um nobody's working in the office the hotels are at 30 percent occupancy so those restaurants are slow and slower and some of our more uh rural uh neighborhood restaurants that were doing okay <clears throat> are now just crushing it just so busy because they have space and patios and big open air environments so it's been interesting uh what what was the norm uh, what was the sort of standard has definitely been shaken up. And so it's up to all of us to figure out what the sort of new, um, I hate that term, but um, the new normal, because it's not normal at all, but just what this new paradigm looks like, because it's it's here to stay. And some parts, uh, certainly the to-go and the carry-out, we're in that business forever now. Um, and it's great. We've definitely 
figured parts of it out and it has been a really a, a great boon to our to our top line to go and carry out yeah yeah um so take a concept like jacks you got the bar there with some like does that concept change no that, because we're not always going to be in this situation yeah. but for us what we've tried to figure out is um this whole ghost kitchen additional revenue we're starting some different concepts in some of the jacks's uh we opened jacks kansas city two weeks ago and we launched post fried chicken out of the jacks kitchen for delivery and carry out so oh, in kansas city in kansas city so it's a great way for us to to dabble and try out the market introduce the the, the fried chicken and then um get people excited and possibly turn that into a brick and mortar opportunity in the future with doing this sort of beta uh, test and this sort of introduction that costs us very little to do. But I think by, by within the next six weeks, all of our restaurants will have an alternative ego um, of doing a ghost kitchen, be it a lasagna or an Italian concept or a burger joint out of one of the Mexican concepts or doing a wing something or doing a, a paella uh, party every uh, couple nights a week, or we just got to, figure out a way to um, add to that revenue because this winter is going to be tough for everybody. When the, we lose the patios that have helped us so much through this and we're back to inside dining only, it's getting dark early. Um, I was a big believer that uh, bringing everybody back to school, you know, 18,000 kids just landed in Boulder last week, this week to start school again. And, uh, and UNC and MSU, Michigan State, and all these schools are are reversing, you know, we're going back to online and just at a huge, huge inconvenience to parents and students and faculty and, and everybody that they couldn't have figured this out, you know, four weeks ago. But we're gonna see, you know, I don't wanna be the, the little chicken sky is falling guy, but I, I think there's still a, a lot of bumpy road ahead for what all of us. Did, wait, so the CU students came back? Are they staying or are they sending back home? They came back. They have not called. It's a it's a it's a mixed partial uh, in in class and online program. So they haven't called it yet. But I know in your neck of the woods, North Carolina called it, right? They did. Yeah, that was weird. They had them back for like a week and then they sent them home. Not even three days. They got them in class for yeah. three days. Saw a huge spike. I mean, what it what what were you thinking? Now, of course, that's the what happened. Obviously, when you send a bunch of college students back, there's going to be a – yeah, I, that's – I don't know. I'm not a Carolina fan, man. So, for those of you that are Carolina – I think we got some NC State fans on here if I'm, if I'm seeing my, my attendee list. So, we might have some Carolina fans. But, uh, actually, Joel, I know you're on here, Mr. Aiken. So, sorry, man. Uh, but, uh, well, okay. Um, How is your team doing, man? overall it's tough man you know we're asking people to put on a game face every day and they're scared they have kids they have parents they have challenges they have health concerns yeah. they're dealing with um you know we've had really good luck um not having a lot of our team members uh sick um we had a real heavy wellness check protocol with uh masks at the door and temperature checks and real honest communication about how you're feeling and what you've been doing. Uh, great. You went camping with six of your buddies, four of whom are roommates that also work at the restaurant. Um, you gotta, you gotta quarantine for six days, you know, you, and, and so that's a huge challenge. I was with Jen, uh, my partner at Lola yesterday and she was writing the schedule and man, she was just, she was just going through it because it has never been harder for a restaurant manager or a chef to write a schedule. You got so many variables now um, to deal with uh, in writing a schedule. It's almost like you need a beat. You need a, a second set, a second squad, a JV team to come in and fill in uh, every time somebody gets sick or calls out. You know, somebody's like, hey, I got to go to a family reunion. It's in Dallas. I'm flying from DIA to Dallas, Fort Worth, two major international airports. You're like, okay, well, when you come back, you got to sit on the sidelines for seven days. So, you don't come back and maybe infect everybody. And, and so it, it's really challenging. The managers are, are uh, incredible. The amount of 
of resiliency and positive attitude that that all these GMs and chefs and AGMs and Sues and everybody has shown is incredible. But but it's really it's hard. It is a daily effort to wake up and go, I got this, you know. Man. Um well, okay, now you've uh you've been in this business a long time. You've seen a lot of economic cycles. Um You've seen a lot of changes, culinary changes. There's nothing like this. Um, and there's a lot that's really unknown. But one thing we know is that so far there's been, we haven't seen a ton of this on our end yet, thankfully. But I, I keep hearing there's a lot of places that have closed and maybe they've closed for good. What, what do you think on the other side of this? Like, are you seeing your friends and your peers? Or are they able to managed through this so far and some places closed and what do you think is going to happen you know as we get to some as you said new paradigm within this industry less restaurants or just more newer ones i don't know i don't think there's going to be a ton of new right now um but there have been several openings in the last month um which is awesome i do have some friends that have made the decision to to stop running their restaurants um, for all the right reasons. You know, it was time, um, it was something I was considering for a while and now I've done it. Um, it just, you know, I don't want to have to figure out how to do this. I don't want to take on that debt. Um, so, you know, there's definitely been that. I, I worry um, for all of us. We all got this PPP funding. At first, it wasn't tenable because it was too short of a time period. Then they extended it, which was amazing. Um, and so that has really helped. Um, but once that money is gone, um, then what? Because coming into the fall it's, and the winter, it's going to be a challenging situation, as it always is for us. This is our season. Summertime is great. And then we always slow down in the winter. It's natural, but we're going to slow down more this winter. And depending on the spikes in, in infection or the rise in, in positive cases, how does that affect us? And then is there another round of PPP funding? Will the Restaurant Act come through? So it's just really managing cash right now and figuring out at what point does it not make sense to just put your head down and say, I'm going to do this and to make a call, which is a, t a tough call to say, I'm going to close. You know, we, we got all of ours back open. It doesn't mean they'll all be open next spring. You know, we got to really wait and see how this winter fares because we, I don't know. I can't, I can't say with a hundred percent certainty, we will most definitely have all of our restaurants open next spring because it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a um, challenging course uh, this, this fall and winter. Do you own any of your buildings? Yep. Yep. A couple of them. So that certainly helps. Um, you know, uh, dealing with landlords through this was certainly a challenge. Um, and being a landlord, I tried to do what I was asking them to do, which I think I know I did, but at the same time, you know, it isn't always just the big, bad landlord that doesn't want to help. They got their challenges too. You know, they got a lot of, uh, tenants that aren't paying. And so, you know, sometimes when a, a tenant who's really trying to look for partnership from a landlord to really strike a deal. Hey, give me this next three, four months of reprieve and I'll tack it on in the end. And please talk to your mortgage company because it seems that lenders are being uh, helpful in that realm too. No, 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 not doing that. Can't do that. Bank said no. Well, that's bullshit. Banks didn't say no. Um, you might be overextended or your situation might have created a scenario where the bank said no, but then that's me, you know, that's me carrying the load. Well, I had one landlord who uh, it was in a space where it's the rent is not that incredibly expensive. And we were, it was in one of the restaurants that was open through the whole time doing to go. So we were able to pay our rent. Guy calls me in the end of June and he says, Hey, I don't feel good about this. You're only at 50% occupancy and you're paying a hundred percent of your rent. What can we do? What can I do? Mm. And I was like, man, who are you? You know, that is amazing. And thank you. And I might take you up on it this all our winter but for now we're good so let's stay the course and stay current but man thank you for your 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 humanity and your your just willing to partner and and realize that we're all in this 
and that kind of attitude. And there was a couple that really, uh, that really stepped up and a couple that really didn't. And so, you know, that gets back to what's going to change coming out of this, those relationships, you know, I, I think of anything, I'm not putting up with any bullshit from people anymore coming out of this. There's just no, there's no need to do business with people who aren't in it to be partners. And that doesn't always mean, you know, a win-win for everybody. Um, sometimes, you know, you got to pay, you got to pay the, pay the price. And, and it isn't always, you know, and I wasn't looking for a deal. I wasn't looking for a dollar of anything off. I was just looking to put things down the road. I'll pay you a hundred percent of what I owe you, but I need a minute. And you know, some understood it and some didn't. Yeah, it's interesting. The ones that don't, maybe they're in a bond and they don't have the ability to afford. Um, I don't know, like you said, but you know, you've got to think that if if they're not working with people, then people will close eventually, and then they'll uh, close, and those buildings will sit in the space. They'll sit empty, you know, without a doubt. But again, in the defense of if I'm a landlord and I have a hundred properties that I rent and 30 people are just flat out not paying me, yeah. that's, that's a world of hurt, you know? So then yeah. the people who are paying and, and are staying current end up, you know, getting less reprieve than the people who are just flat out saying, no, I'm not going to do it. Um, so, you know, it's, there's, there's a different defense for every side. And certainly this isn't a bash on landlords. They, they have their own challenges. Some of them who are big time developers and landlords are getting killed right now. Yeah. Just get crushed. Um, what's something really like, surprisingly good that's happened over the last few months? Well, um, I love how clean our restaurants are right now. Yeah. We have dug in. And like cleanliness and, and, you know, just getting rid of the, the fluff, like all the restaurants physically, the facility, the building, the four walls are as clean as they've ever been. All the shits out of the storeroom, the back alleys are as clean, the walk-ins, the, the, you know, just everything, the rooftop areas, the, the flowers have never been flowerier. I mean, everything, the, the restaurants look amazing right now. Because it's important. Everybody's like looking around at what looks good and what doesn't. Um, aesthetics are super important right now. And I think in our guest's mind, um, cleanliness and, and efficiency and, and tidiness and, and beauty uh, rings through to, I feel safe here and this feels good. So our staff looks great. Our, our, our restaurants are clean. The kitchens are spotless. Um, and so that's been fantastic um working in this new uh with this new team that we've got now um it feels easier it's less there's less conversations going on there's less um wasted yeah. time okay that makes sense um are the guests say it again tell me about the guests are people like where you have the outdoor seating or most people want to sit outside or do you feel like people are starting to get a little bit more comfortable with everything and because of the spacing they're they're now coming inside um yeah i mean i think we have a few that are like outside only but i think more more for us it is um it's the ones who will and the ones who won't those who are not comfortable they're not out you know they're not they haven't been to a restaurant yet they're they don't have any plans anytime soon. And so the older demographic of our guests, uh, we're seeing less of them. So some of the restaurants that have been around for a long time, I've got restaurants that are 30 years old. Um, that guest uh, age, that demo has skewed a little older. And so we're seeing a little less of them. Uh, I got some friends that own 40 and 50 year old restaurants in Boulder. They're saying the same thing that that 60 to 90 year old customer is uh they're they're home they're eating at home they're taking care of themselves and they're staying safe um the younger demo is a little less concerned you know i have my 25 year old daughter she wouldn't step foot in a restaurant right now no way um she's taking care and she's being safe doesn't want to get it and um and other folks are just out and about and throwing down um I think you and I went to the bitter bar, that little club we got, that little yeah. bar that we opened a while ago. Yeah. Uh, I was, I ducked in there the other night. It was just, it was packed. 
you know? Really? And, oh, and that's not a dig on that. It's great. And there was socially distanced tables and they were holding people back at the door and two in, two out, you know, real good safety protocol. But, you know, just some people just are in a different mindset. You look online and see these big parties, thousands of people shoulder to shoulder without masks. They just don't, they're not, it's not high on their list of, of putting a mask on and staying away. So it's different. I think it's different in every area of the country. Yeah. I think it's different with different styles of restaurants. Some of the higher end steakhouses um, that I have friends that, uh, that own are killing it because there's a lot of room. There's a lot of distance between tables. People can get a table and stay for three hours rather than two. And those places that you think would be a, a little slower are banging right now. And places that are based more on volume, easy in, easy out, um, are slower because there's too many people. I would have never guessed that. I thought you were going to say the ones in the steakhouses were getting crushed. That's interesting. There's so much of this you can't really predict until we just go through it, see how people behave. Um, I've got a, uh, okay, so I'm going to try something here, Dave. We have a, we have somebody raise their hand, David Buffalo. I know David. I'm going to click allow to talk. Let's see what happens if he can, uh, and then I think I, maybe I need to unmute him. David, you might be muted, it looks like. Can you hear me well? Yeah, I can hear you. What's up, man? Hey, buddy. How you doing, man? I'm all right. Uh, uh, David and I know each other, Dave. We used to work together. What's going on? How you doing, man? Doing great, man. This is awesome. Appreciate you setting this up. Love the stories. And just hearing, you know, I'm not in the restaurant business, but I love hearing how businesses are adapting and reacting to the change in things. And uh, you know, one question I have for Dave is, you know, with, with the schools going back and kids being virtual and all those things, I'm just curious if he's doing anything unique with his employees that may work day shifts that are trying to balance that change with their kids going to school while also trying to, you know, work and make money. Yeah, man, we've, we've got a, a lot of parents, um, uh, an old, you know, we've been doing this for, for, 28 years so a lot of folks that started with us as you know in their early 20s are now in their 40s and got three kids at home so we're um we're working uh anything any any challenge people have we're trying to figure it out and um you know if a, if a single mother's got a couple kids at home and and um schools aren't going back which they're not then we have to adjust her schedule or his schedule so that they can get um they can get the time they need and make it work. Uh, most all of our restaurants serve lunch and dinner. So that might be a case of somebody working weekend nights or uh, a little more nights than days or a little more days than nights. But yeah, everybody's got to be flexible through this. You're going to lose, you're going to lose people if you don't. David, you still there? Yeah, I'm here, man. All right, man. You got any other questions? No, that was awesome. I appreciate it. And uh, again, love hearing it. And I think they've made some great points. Just the, just the empathy, you know, with your employees and, and really listening and talking to them and communicating with them like you guys do through schedule flies. Fantastic. So, well, one thing I'll say about Dave is, uh, I mean, he is a genuinely empathetic, caring, thoughtful, intentional guy. I've seen that firsthand in uh it's legit, man. Like he cares a ton about those people and they, therefore he's got a loyal group of um, employees. And I know that anybody that, you know, they want to stay with Dave and they want to stay with Dave and his team. And it's not just Dave, it's his whole team, it's his whole management group. It's everybody he's got there really cares about these folks. And there's a lot of people that work in your industry right now, Dave, that are, I mean, this is a hard, hard, it's already a hard business, but you know, one of the things you mentioned earlier is, some people to deal with stress will, uh, they will they will resort to drinking drugs whatever i mean that's always been in the industry it's something we're talking about more now but um uh, how was how that um you know for me drinking was always kind of a like a condiment you know it was like an accoutrement to just the lifestyle and yeah you know you own 14 bars and you're just around it all the time um 
certainly uh, coming out of this, uh, there was times when I was like, I'll skip the burger and just go for the ketchup today, you know, tonight. <laughs> so you got to watch it. You know, I have just mad, mad respect for people that just say, I'm not going to drink anymore. You know, uh, I'm, I don't think I couldn't do that, but I haven't done that. And um, to have that sort of self-control and to really be able to to put a hard stop. My dad was a two pack a day smoker for 30 years and September 15th, 1983, I think he's like, I'm done smoking and never took another puff of a cigarette again. It's like, damn dude, you know, like that kind of control. So it's definitely something that I'm aware of. Um, you know, drugs, Colorado was the first state in the country to legalize weed. And so it's very uh, rampant and free here. And, and uh, the governor of Colorado has allowed for to go liquor, which has been enormous for us to be able to um, sell uh, a big platter of something to somebody and, uh, and you know, uh, enough margaritas to accompany the dinner. So we're now able to carry cocktails, bottles of booze, cases of beer out the front door and shove them in people's car. If we're self-delivering, we can actually deliver liquor. Uh, that law is in effect till next summer. It's been huge. And um, I hope it never goes away. Uh, it has really, really been uh, fantastic. And I don't think there's been an enormous uh, bunch of MIPs issued or a bunch of increased drunk driving or, um, you know, I don't, I don't hear of a bunch of stories that, w that are having government officials saying, oh, that was a terrible mistake. So, but it's, it's around, you know, when the 08 crisis happened with the housing, our liquor sales went through the roof. And certainly uh, during COVID times, uh, people have not have not lightened up on the drinking. But it is something that we talk about in in our communication with the staff of taking care of yourself and and really being aware of the effects of all of this craziness that it's having. And, you know, drinking is a easy is an easy escape. And so. Um, it's something I, I personally uh, keep a, a closer eye on. You know, it could definitely um, get out of control, but hasn't. You, uh, you know, early on, communicating with the team had to be so important um, because you were closed and nobody was, everybody was scared. You, you called me or texted me one night, like back in March, like, refresh me on how I need to get in here and I need to send a message to everybody. Um, uh, have you been communicating more? I know you said you were kind of redundant for a while, but I mean, are you communicating with your team more than you have? Yeah, most definitely. Especially when we were closed, when a lot of the restaurants were closed and, um, it feels good, man. We, um, for the first period of time, when the five restaurants were open, we took all the tips that we collected and we have something called the big, the family fund. And so forever, you work a weight shift, you work a, a, a tipped shift, and at the end of, a, or if you're on hourly, at the end of your shift, you can do it as a direct uh, draw on your bank account. You can have it taken out of your paycheck. We have a family fund, and that fund helps people who are in need. Somebody's father dies, they got to get a, uh, you know, one hour notice plane ticket that might be really expensive, or somebody's bike got stolen out of the back behind of a kitchen, or somebody's house got robbed, or there was a fire. And this fund has really helped folks. So about a month in, maybe the middle of April, we had um, people write uh, a, a little two-paragraph summary of why they needed some money. And then we created a board of bussers and cooks and servers and bartenders, no management, um, no ownership. I'm not on it. And this seven or eight-person board got together and, um, hey, Maddie. And got together and uh, sorry, my son's yucking it up. Um, All right. Got together and uh, and would review these these requests. And we were able to um, put out about forty five thousand dollars in the first round. And, and I think a little bit more than that in the second to help folks. And that communication um, was really powerful and being able to talk to people and my emails on there and people can email me, call me. Um, totally accessible and just that communication feels good uh, coming back into the restaurants when we were reopening and the teams are there and people are coming up and just being like man thanks for that you know we were cooking for 
for employees. We were doing uh, dinners for four, two times a week. And um, so they were able to come to four or five different pickup locations and, and get food. And we were just trying to do whatever we could. You know, I felt bad about the Kansas City crew because they were out of reach from our, our ability to, to high five them virtually um, at the door as they were picking up their food. But we did some stuff for that crew out there too. But yeah, the communication, um, it felt really good. And, it, and folks really uh, responded and communicated that it was appreciated and that it, it was uh, a good li a lifeline of keeping, making you feel like you still were a part of something and you still had a job even though you didn't have a job. Love it, man. Um, we'll probably get this thing wrapped up here in a sec, Dave. I don't want to take more of your time, but I do want to uh, let you all know if you're on here and you have a question, feel free to submit it. Uh, David did the – I don't – I'm not well-versed in Zoom calls, so I know he hit raise hand. Uh, you can also do Q&A if you want. I think get alerted for all this stuff. If anybody has any questions, please shoot them over. Um, and also, it goes without saying that if you're attending this, thank you very much. Thank you for taking the time, uh, having the interest, and um, we we appreciate you. You know, Dave, appreciate you taking the time to do this, man. Um, I, I look forward very much to you, you know. You've only got about five months um, to live up to your end of the bargain and get out here to Asheville. Uh, so we may extend it a little bit. We may give a little bit of an extension, but um, I, I can't wait for y'all, you and Dan, to get out here. Man. Yeah, and um, for anybody watching, um, if you want to reach out, we, we started a tip pooling change. That was a big change for us. So we've relaunched. We've reopened with tip pooling. So happy to share uh, the successes and challenges of that. Um, Will knows how to get a hold of them and, and just love and talking just love about what they're doing and how, uh, how we can all team together and get through this thing, share, share ideas and, and uh, share successes and avoid the pitfalls together. Um, all right. So any other questions? It doesn't, I don't think there's any more. Uh, thank you all very much. Special, special thanks to, um, Joel and Patsy Aiken, Wes's parents. I see that y'all are on here. Uh, thank y'all for jumping on here today. Uh, thank all of you very much. Thank you for the time, Dave. Thanks for accommodating us to, you know, to help us launch the next phase of our um, um, the way we try to communicate with the industry. Man, we love y'all. We love the people we serve. We care about y'all deeply, and um, we we appreciate all of you very much, and appreciate what you're dealing with. And um, we believe very passionately how important independent restaurants are, man. I think, you know, that's, that's from the heart, man. So thank you very much. Yeah. Well, thanks for what you're doing, brother. All right, y'all. Uh, I think I'll hit end and we'll wrap it up. Thank you again, folks. If you uh, did this and then also we're going to put this on YouTube. So if you know somebody that wasn't able to attend or you want to go back and rewatch something, uh, it'll be on YouTube. All right. Thank you all. See you.